I get the honor of introducing our speaker this morning. This morning, Dr. Catherine Woods uh, is with us. In the early parts of my ministry, she and her husband Garrett were here. They were pursuing PhDs in uh, psychology at Fuller. She now is a licensed psychologist. They live south of Dallas in a city called Wakjahoshi, right, or something. It's a Waxahashi, so it's a name that I knew I was going to mess up, but that's uh, where, where they live now. And it is very meaningful uh, for me to introduce her. She and Garrett were such huge parts of our ministry here. Uh, and there are certain people in your life who you come across and they're around your age, but they're already way wiser than you. And it's a little frustrating, but uh, you accept it after a while. And Garrett and Catherine are two of them uh, for me. They were such a, a blessing to be around when they were a parts of, of our church. And I'm just super thankful for her to be able to share what God has put on her heart. And I'd love for you to just welcome her up as she begins to preach with us this morning. Thank you so much, Brian. It feels so good to be here with you today. I feel like there are some familiar faces and there are some new faces, but it's, it's the same Lord. Um, and praise God for that. This really was our home in L.A., and when I see the shirts and the website that says a home in LA, my first thought was absolutely, that's exactly what this place is. And it feels like homecoming this morning. So I'm, I am joyful to be with you. Every person in this room is unique and special. You each have gifts from the Holy Spirit and it is important that you find ways to use those gifts to glorify God. One of my favorite things about being a psychologist is getting to be a part of my clients, discovering their identity and helping them step into ways of being more fully themselves and bless the Lord, bless the world with who they are. This morning, I'd like to talk with you about identity and calling. Identity is probably my favorite topic as a psychologist. That probably makes sense. Um, and I was excited to talk about it with you today. And then my husband reminded me of this quote from the Jewish rabbi Abraham Heschel. To the Greek mind, a human is above all a rational being. Rationality makes him compatible with the cosmos. To the biblical mind, a human is above all a commanded being, a being of whom demands may be made. The central problem is not what is being, but rather what is required of me. Essentially, what Heschel is saying here is that the Greek or Western mind, and by the way, that's us culturally, we find our meaning in asking the question, who am I? What am I good at? What's my identity? What are my gifts? Each person is an independent being on the path to self-discovery. And along this journey, the person is the hero of their own quest for self-actualization. 
And if you look at any of our movies, or any of our social media pages for that matter, you'll find evidence of this. In contrast, Heschel says that a person with a biblical mindset isn't worried about any of that. The question they ask is, what does God require of me? How will God use me on any given day in any given situation? Heschel reminds us that rather than talking about identity in isolation, it's important to remember that it's not about us. It's about God working through us and sometimes even through our weaknesses. This message is the message I needed to hear from the Holy Spirit, so hopefully she'll have a word for you this morning as well. This message is directed to two groups of people, so I want you to think about which one you belong to, or maybe you belong to both. First, those of you who feel your spiritual gifts are not being used, or maybe not even being recognized. And second, those of you who feel totally unqualified for what God is asking you to do, or maybe is about to ask you to do. And let me be clear, groups are not mutually exclusive. You can fall into both categories at the same time. I feel like I do. As a psychologist, I primarily work with individuals who are suffering from either anxiety or depression or both. And mental health is complex, and so I, I want to be careful not to oversimplify here. But one of the commonalities for both of these conditions is that much of the time, the person who's suffering from either anxiety or depression has a difficult time seeing beyond themselves. They get trapped in their head a little bit. And it's no wonder to me because our culture is so fiercely individualistic. Those are the messages we receive from early in our lives. We're taught to seek, seek out who we are and figure that out. Um, and wrestle with those kinds of questions. So a big aspect of my work with many of my clients is counteracting these cultural messages and helping my clients get out of their head and become a part of a larger story. So think with me about a time whenever you felt truly joyful, where you felt fully present. Perhaps you were celebrating a long-awaited sports victory with close friends. Or maybe you were watching a child eat ice cream for the first time, or witnessing the awe of the Grand Canyon. Whatever comes to mind for you, chances are this was also a moment when you had forgotten yourself. You weren't worried about what you were wearing or how others were perceiving you. You were fully in that moment and present. Hold on to that as we look at John 13, 3 through 5 together. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. If you grew up in Bible class, 
and are familiar with the felt board images of Jesus and his disciples, then you know that Jesus and his disciples wore sandals and the roads were not paved. So I feel like we can deduce that um, washing feet was probably really gross. And it was a job that was reserved for the lowest class individuals. And I love the way this passage is written. It basically says, Jesus knows that he's God, so he washes everyone's feet. It doesn't say and. It doesn't say but. But would have made sense, right? Jesus knows he's God, but he washes everyone's feet. It says, so he washes everyone's feet. Jumping back in at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so also should you wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Washing feet isn't something we typically do in our culture today outside of Christian retreat or summer camp experiences. Probably many of us have had those. Um, And so we can easily get fixated on the washing feet bit and maybe miss one of the main points, which is get over yourself and do what needs to be done. If the God of the universe can wash dirty feet, I can probably take the trash out of the fellowship hall. Because it's not about me or you, it's about doing what needs to be done for his service. If you were part of that first group of people that I mentioned before, who feel that your spiritual gifts are not being used or recognized, Jesus is calling you to look around and do what needs to be done. One of my favorite Mother Teresa quotes, and we'll see it up here, is be faithful in small things because it's in them that your strength lies. These are powerful words coming from a woman who changed the world with her charitable work and won multiple global awards, including the Nobel Peace Prize, and was canonized a saint. Let's not forget that. She says, be faithful in small things because it's in them that your strength lies. I saw a meme recently that I personally really resonated with. Um, And if you have small children or if you grew up during this time period and know all the words to Beauty and the Beast, uh, you'll know what this is. It says, I always thought I'd grow up to be Belle. Turns out I'm this lady. And it's an anxious lady with kids. And it says, I need six eggs. (laughs) I love this. I am not Belle like I thought I'd be as a six-year-old watching that movie. I am the anxious mom in a constant state of mom brain right now. But you know what? That's okay. Because as Christians, we have decided that we are not the main character of the story. Jesus is. We are all playing what may sometimes feel like a meaningless role. 
But that's one of the coolest things about our God is he is present and working in everything. Preparing this talk had me reflecting a lot on our time at this church 10 years ago. At that time, I was in seminary, and I was studying to be a psychologist and also getting a master's degree through the theology program. And if you'd asked me what my spiritual gifts were, I probably would have said, I think I'm a pretty good public speaker, you know, whatever. Um, and I feel like I had a lot of deep philosophical and theological thoughts at that time in my life, and sometimes they just poured through me. And this is kind of weird, but uh, I actually would sometimes jot down an outline to a sermon just for fun, or like I'd write a communion table talk, um, hashtag theology nerd, or, or however you want to uh, identify that. Um, but during this time, I wasn't asked to lead a prayer. I wasn't asked to give a communion thought or a sermon on Sunday mornings, things that would have made sense with how I identified my spiritual gifts. And if you'd asked me what my weaknesses were, I would have told you and can probably, uh, probably anybody who knew me at the time can say anything domestic. Our apartment was always dirty. I was not a good cook. Um, feel free to ask Garrett about the crockpot orange chicken debacle of 2010. Um, we regularly had piles of dirty laundry, um, but God's ways are not our ways. And my husband and I were asked to host a small group in our tiny, dirty, cluttered student apartment. And even though we were in many ways not a logical choice, that small group was such a blessing to us. And we saw God work in and through our time together as a community. And if I had decided to say, no, hosting isn't my spiritual gift, I would have missed that opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to work through my life. One of the characteristics of God that's revealed to us over and over and over in Scripture is that his perspective is totally different from ours. He sees strength where we see weakness. What is ugly to us is beautiful to him. He loves the unlovable, and he uses the broken. And while we don't have enough time to touch on every story that shows us this upside-down perspective, I do want to look at one more. The story of Gideon is in the book of Judges, and during this time, Israel was ruled by judges who were appointed by God to lead the nation of Israel. And throughout this time, the Israelites would turn away from God, worship false gods or idols, and then uh, God would raise up a um, judge after experiencing a time of oppression, and the judge would pull them back to worshiping God, and they'd be freed from oppression and experience a time of peace. So in Judges 6, we come on the scene in Israel where the Jews are being oppressed by the Midianites who are regularly invading their land and stealing or destroying their crops and livestock. So there's a shortage of food. And we're introduced to Gideon as he threshes wheat in a wine press, which basically means he's hiding while harvesting his crop. And in Judges 6.12... The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
I don't know if you have found yourself hiding at any point in your adulthood. Um, usually that's something we do with children as like a joke or a game, right? But if you can imagine hiding because you're fearful and somebody comes to you and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, just the irony is rich there, right? Like, um, and so Gideon responds, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where were the wonders that our fathers told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The story goes on, and if you're unfamiliar with Gideon, let me encourage you to spend some time with this story. It is hilarious and fascinating, but ultimately Gideon allows himself to be used in this very unexpected and probably super uncomfortable way to free the Israelites from their oppressors and experience a time of peace and prosperity. I relate with Gideon's initial confusion. When Brian asked me to preach, uh, my internal response was much like Gideon, me? But I'm a mom of three little boys. I have not gotten a full night's sleep in at least five months, last night included. I feel totally empty, and I don't think I've had a deep theological thought in about five years. It's been 10 years since seminary. My oldest is five now. I have not had a deep theological thought since he was born. And if you don't believe me, here is a recent Google search. Um, this is my Google search history from before Brian asked me to preach. And if you can't see it, it says, how to thaw frozen breast milk. And then there's a lot of gluten-free dessert recipe searches. Um, average temperature of Anaheim on October 4th. We're going to Disneyland tomorrow, by the way. Um, Indigo color, my son has decided indigo is his favorite color. I felt like I should probably know what that was. Um, best video games for four-year-olds. Family of uh, five photo poses. Anatomy of the eye and Jack Ryan season three. It's coming, guys, it's coming. God is hilarious, isn't he? When I was a messy seminary student living in a tiny apartment, the Holy Spirit chose to host people in my home. Now that I'm an established homeowner with a severe case of mom brain, against all worldly wisdom, the Holy Spirit has chosen me to offer you a bit of wisdom. God has a habit of calling people despite themselves, not because of themselves. I'm going to say that again. God has a habit of calling people despite themselves, not because of themselves. His ways are not our ways. The Holy Spirit often opens up opportunities like this to remind us it is not about you or your abilities. 
God is the main character in your story, and he invites you to partner with him for his glory, not yours. So, if you belonged to that second group of people I mentioned at the beginning, if you feel totally unqualified for what God is currently asking you to do, or maybe about to ask you to do, join the club. The Bible is packed full of people just like you. God uses people like you all the time because your weakness is an asset in the kingdom of God. It allows him to work through you, and it allows there to be no confusion about who's doing the work. If I had been asked to give a sermon while I was in seminary, it would have been much easier to attribute any wisdom offered to my own understanding or gift rather than God's. But today, as evident by my Google search history, it's much easier for me to see God at work because it is honestly a small miracle anytime I form a coherent sentence. So, if you don't feel equipped to, be, to speak in public, and you're the only one that notices that the guy who was set to give the opening prayer has run out of the auditorium with apparent food poisoning, guess what? God has called you to public speaking. And at work, if you are an introvert with a strict get in, get out, collect your paycheck mentality, which, you know, there's a time and a place for that, by the way, and you notice that someone seems lonely or isolated, God is calling you to be a friend. And if you have a tiny, dirty apartment, God may just call you to hospitality. Because your identity is in Christ. And your calling is to follow where he leads. Even in Paul's letters where he talks about different gifts of the Spirit, it's clear that the Holy Spirit determines who gets what gifts and when. In 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 6, it says, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. My challenge to you today is to forget yourself. You are part of a larger story with an amazing main character. If you've been discouraged and felt like your spiritual gifts aren't valued or utilized, let me encourage you to look up, look around. What needs to be done? As Heschel said, what does the Lord require of you in this moment, at this time? What is the Lord asking of you? What metaphorical feet need to be washed? Is there someone who needs encouragement or a listening ear? Your role is to notice what needs to be done and do it. And to those of you who feel that the Holy Spirit may be asking you to contribute in what feels like an uncomfortable way, be open to God's glory being revealed through your weakness. It's not about you. And when you're able to see beyond yourself, you will find freedom 
peace, and joy. Because we were always meant to play the supporting role, not be the main character. I'd like to end our time together by praying Paul's prayer for the Ephesians over this church family today. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.